0: It's nice to see you today. Hope you had a good week. We're in a series on how to handle life's hurts. In life, it can be painful. You know, there's a lot of emotional hurts that we can go through. Today, I want to focus on loneliness. How do we deal with the loneliness that we have? We're going to look at Paul and his life. He's at the end of his life, he writes 2 Timothy, it's the last letter that he writes. And in chapter 4, that's the last chapter. So these are his last words. He's old. He's in prison in Rome. He's waiting, waiting to be executed. His friends have left him. So he's pretty lonely. He's going through probably the hardest time in his life. And there's nobody there for him. And, you know, we go through lonely times, but probably not in a situation like he's in. And yet, in here we're going to see the four common Causes of loneliness as we look at his life. But we're also going to see how he dealt with it. What he did to help him through those times. What we can do to help us through those times of loneliness. So I want to first look at the four common causes of loneliness. If you look in your notes, number one, you can fill in the blank. It's transitions. The changes of life that we go through. That causes us a lot of loneliness. You know, life is always changing. You're born... Then you grow up, then you go to school, then you might go to a different high school than where you went before in a different town sometimes. You graduate, you get a job, usually in a different area, usually around different people. You usually don't have just one job during your life. You usually change a job. Now you're with a brand new group of people, possibly in a different town, a different city. Then you retire. I mean, life is just one change after the other after the other. Every change you make brings loneliness, especially at the beginning where you're the new person. You don't know people. Life is change after change after change. Paul's old. He's ready to die. In 2 Timothy 4, 6 and eight, he says, the time has come for my departure. He knows. This is the end. It's short. Nero's about to execute him, and he's going through this transition of being alone in a prison, just waiting to die Not just die, but to be executed. Do you know, they've done studies in the United States of the loneliest people. And they found the loneliest people in the United States are elderly men who are sick. Because hardly anybody goes to visit them. It's coming for a man to be old and have no family visit him. Nothing. They said these tend to be the loneliest people uh, in the United States. But also, any person in a rest home, any person in a rest home, they tend to be suffering with loneliness. They're surrounded by other people in the rest home, but they're super lonely because they want to talk to family. They want to talk to friends and that type of thing. So we live in a society that there's lonely people, but the loneliest people in our society, we hide them away is what it feels like to them. Sometimes you have no choice because they, they can't take care of themselves But what it does say is, visit them. Visit them. Be there for them. Do what you can. A second reason of loneliness is separation. Separation causes loneliness. Paul's isolated. He asks Timothy to come and see him. In 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 21, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. Do your best to get here before winter. Why? He's lonely. He's separated. In chapter 4, he mentions seven friends. Demas has left me Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Erastus has gone to Corinth. Trophimus is sick in Miletus. So other than Luke, Luke was the only guy around that could go visit him now and then. All of his seven closest friends that were traveling with him had all left. Some even deserting him because of the predicament he was in. They were afraid. If they're going after him, they might go after the people that are traveling with him. So here he is, lonely in a foreign country. He can't pick up a cell phone and call. You know, He's just separated with no way of communicating outside those walls. 12% of all Americans move every year. So we've created a society of loneliness here. There are so many people that live in towns away from their parents, away from their family. I have an uncle in the area down Long Beach. He's the only relative I have anywhere close to me. Uh, my wife doesn't have anybody. All of her family's in Brazil. So there's that, you know, but this is common. This is the world that we live in where people are separated from the people that are closest to them. So that creates a lonely society. Like I said, you can be surrounded by people, i still be lonely. People go away to school. They join the army. They get a new career. These things create loneliness because you get there and you don't know anybody yet. And you go through that stage. Third is opposition. Opposition causes loneliness. When you feel like people are attacking you, criticizing you, making fun of you. In 2 Timothy 4.14 it says, He did me a great deal of harm. He strongly opposed our message. When you feel like people are trying to harm you, they're opposing you. They're resisting against you. He said that they strongly opposed his message. They're coming against him. Kids can feel lonely. They can be surrounded by other kids at school and not have friends. You know, everywhere you turn, there's a kid right next to them, but they don't have friends, and they can suffer through a lot of loneliness. Most people that are lonely are surrounded by people. Maybe the kid acts a little bit peculiar so nobody wants to be his friend. Kids are very cruel on the playground and there's very lonely children there. Also in life, one minute you're a hero, one minute you're a zero. And one minute you've got fame and then it's over and then you feel like you're a nobody and people struggle through that and the loneliness that comes from that. When you're going through a painful experience that nobody seems to understand what you're going through, maybe you're suffering a heartache And people say, Oh, just get over it. And they obviously don't understand what you feel because you can't just get over it. And it makes you feel like you're all alone because you feel like nobody understands, nobody cares. When you're suffering a grief and everybody else is having fun, when you're misunderstood or you're embarrassed or you're criticized, you feel like you're all alone. The temptation is to withdraw. The temptation is you would think with loneliness, You would do everything you can to build friends. What people tend to do when these things happen is they withdraw more because they're afraid to be... They don't want to be hurt anymore. They don't want to be treated that way anymore. So instead of doing things that create friendships, they withdraw more. They're more separated from people. Rejection's number four. When you feel you've been betrayed, forsaken, abandoned, Paul felt deserted. When things got tough, Everybody left him. He got rejected. In 2 Timothy 4.16, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas has deserted me. When you're in a situation where the people that you trust the most take off on you, they don't stick with you during the hard times. You go through a hard time and they don't want anything to do with you anymore. That happens. Here's one of the greatest Christians in history, he did more for starting those churches in that early time than probably any other individual going around getting the message out. But when he has to go on trial, everybody runs away. Uh-oh, they've got Paul. Looks like he's going to be executed. Maybe we better act like we don't know him <laughs> or just split. And these are other Christians that have been traveling, to do mission work with him. They get afraid You think if there's anyone that's going to be a dedicated Christian that could stand by his side, it's people that would go on the mission trip with him. But just like Jesus had the people desert him when they came to kill him, same thing happened to Paul. Only Luke stuck with him. Everybody else split. He didn't say, I've been in the ministry for 30 years, and this is what I get. You're going to find that that's not the attitude he has. He actually has a forgiving attitude, which we'll read later. Rejection is one of the most devastating forms of hurt, especially when you feel by rejected by a parent or a spouse or a child, the people that you're expecting to be the closest to you, the people that you think will stick with you no matter what you go through, when they reject you, it's devastating. It causes a lot of hurt. Rejection is when you feel everybody's against you. Nobody understands. Nobody's on your side. This is one of the reasons that... Divorce is so painful, is that feeling of rejection. Adultery is so painful, when someone commits adultery on you, it's so painful because of the feeling of rejection. You feel like you're rejected. These things devastate people and it makes them feel lonely, especially because it's with someone that you trust. So what do people do? People will use drugs to try to ease the pain of loneliness. Alcohol. One of the reasons why the computer dating services do so well is people are so super lonely. They're super lonely. A lot of these people make tons of money. They're working, working all the time, but they're so lonely that they use a computerized dating system to try to find somebody out there. Number two in your notes, the ways to cope with loneliness. Number one is utilize your time. What we're going to find with Paul is you can't avoid being lonely. Life sometimes puts you in situations where you're lonely. Sometimes you do it to yourself. But I'm talking about the time that life just does it to you. What do you do? Well, there's things that you can do in that situation to benefit from that lonely time. So one of the things that you can do is utilize that time because there's certain things that you can do in life during a lonely time that you can't when other people are around. So, hey... If this is the situation I'm in, I'm new at this university, and I don't know anybody. I'm new at this job, and I don't know anybody. I'm new in this town. I just got a job over there, and I don't know anybody. Take advantage of that lonely time to do things that you can't do with a lot of people around. You use it for your benefit. It's like when you get a lemon, make lemonade. Make the best out of what you're given. So you might feel like, oh, I'm so lonely, but use it for the good. What we tend to do is we allow loneliness to paralyze us, so we're sitting there with nothing to do, instead of, you know, doing what we can. Look at what he does in 2 Timothy four twelve. Bring my coat. What he's saying is, well, I'm lonely and alone, but at least I can be comfortable. I'm gonna, in my situation that I'm in, I'm gonna get as comfortable as I can in the situation I'm in. Then he says, and bring my books. You know, I'm lonely, but those books that I've been wanting to read for the, for the longest time that I've never gotten to, well, now's the time. You know, I never get around to read those books. And why would he never get around to reading those books? If you look at Paul's life, he travels from one city to the next. He's a tent maker. He makes tents so he can survive financially, and he starts churches. When do you have time to study a book? When do you have time to read He was a go-getter. He was an activist. He was just going and going. But now he's in prison. There's nothing for him to do. But you notice he had books. Apparently, there were things that he wanted to read and study. He had them. So now he says, oh, bring my books. You know, if God's allowed me to be in this situation, I'm not going to be here and just sulk. I'm going to do what I can't do when I'm not in prison. Because when I'm not in prison, I start churches. I travel, I start church, I build up leaders, I make tents to survive, and then I do it again. I'm in prison, bring me my books, make the most out of it. I'm going to use this time to read and to study and do the things that I usually don't have time to do. If you start thinking about it, when you're lonely, if you use the time for something good, you don't know what value is going to come out of that. Because there's things that you want to do that you just never get around to it. And now you have some time. So use it for the good. Lonely people have a tendency not to take good care of themselves. They don't tend to eat right or exercise. But you see him, he's trying to do something. He's trying to make his life as good as he can in the situation that he's in. You know, At least he's not going to have any interruptions. He's going to have a good quiet time every day. He doesn't have to worry about people interrupting him. For me, at this stage in my life, I try to have a quiet time every morning where I read the Bible and pray every day. Do you know how difficult that is with an 18-month and a 3-year-old in the house? Because they don't want to give me a quiet time. They want to jump on top of Daddy. You know, they, I've got a little mole on the back of my neck, and my little boy likes to come up and pinch it. <laughs> so um, they, they, they want to jump on top of Daddy. So I'm reading my Bible, and then I get attacked by one kid wanting to play, and then I say, okay, let me finish reading the Bible, and i play with them a little bit. Then I get attacked by the other one wanting to play, and it's like, when am I ever going to have a, just a quiet time? If you're lonely, you got it. You've got it. Take advantage of it because it, you might not have it later. You know, Paul was not a scholarly type of person. He, he would much rather be in a Colosseum preaching to a lot of people. You know that that would be something that would be a you know up his alley. But he can't do that. So what does he do? He decides to write letters to all the churches and just start addressing some issues that they have that he never got around to doing. So he wrote the book of Romans, first and second Corinthians, you know Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, first and Second Thessalonians, Titus, uh, Philemon. I don't know exactly how many he wrote, but I know he wrote those that I just mentioned. And uh, if he wasn't in prison, do you think he would have written those books? I guarantee you, because if he wanted to write those books, wouldn't he have already started on them? No. He didn't write until he was in a situation where he couldn't do anything else. Because in his mind, his way of thinking is, I want to get the gospel out to everybody. So what does he do? He goes from town to town to town trying to do it himself. What he didn't realize is God's plan was bigger. So God says, I'm going to let you get the gospel out literally to everybody. So he gets in prison. He can't do anything else. He reads and he writes. He reads and he writes. And when you read in the Bible... So much of what you read is from Paul, and I guarantee you he wouldn't have written it if he wasn't in prison. I think it's the only way that God could get his attention and say, okay, now are are you really willing to make a big impact? He thought he was making a big impact. He just didn't understand the power of the pen. And how many people have come to faith in Christ because of the writings of Paul? People read it all the time. Like I said, I do my quiet time. I try to read through the Bible approximately once a year. So how many times have I read his writings? You know, how many times have you read his writings? We quote it all the time. By grace we are saved through faith, not by works. You know, that's the basic salvation Bible verse. You're saved because of what God did to reach you, by God's grace. Not by works, not by what I did to reach him. It's just me putting my faith in him. So... Utilize that time, and you might be amazed at the power that God has given you by utilizing time that you never sought out and didn't even want. You didn't want that lonely time. That might be a time in your life that you read through the whole Bible that you never got around to doing it. But you're in a time of loneliness, so you decide I'm going to read the Bible. I guarantee you that will impact you more than probably anything else you could do in your life. Number two, minimize the hurt. Play it down. Pray it up, but play it down. Don't rehearse it. Don't go over and over with it in your mind because that makes it feel bigger and more painful. Refuse to become resentful. Look at 2 Timothy 4.16. He says, Everyone deserted me, but then his very next words are, May it not be held against them. He's not being bitter. It's not that he's denying that it happened. He said, Everybody deserted me. So he's not denying the hurt. But he's saying, may it not be held against them. He's saying, you know, I forgive them. God, I hope that you'll forgive them too. People get scared. They run. I, God, just, I hope that you'll forgive them. I forgive them. Let it go. Because otherwise, you build a wall around your, uh, around your heart and around your life. Because if you get resentful about them, you start becoming an angry person. And then nobody wants to be around you. People don't like to be around people that are critical, People don't want to hang out with... Don't raise your hand and don't nudge somebody. Do you like to be around people that are resentful, that are critical, that are cynics all the time? Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy person. So you avoid those type of people. So we get hurt, and then with that hurt, we become the type of person that repels people even more, and it has the opposite effect. But when you forgive... They say, you know, I forgive them, and God, you know, I don't want this to be held against them. That's complete, that means you're forgiving them all the way when you don't want it to be held against them at all. And when you have that type of attitude, you're not resentful, you're not critical, and people want to be close to you. You can build friendships that way. Number three, recognize God's presence. Because when you're alone, you're not really alone. See, when we feel lonely, we're not really alone. God is with us. He's not going to forsake us. Here's how Paul said it in the very next part of that verse, verse 17 in 2 Timothy, he says, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. He said people deserted him, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. He knew he wasn't alone. When you feel that you're alone, it's a feeling that you have, but it's not true. God's right there with you. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You look around that prison cell and you don't see anybody else, but the Lord stood by his side and gave him strength. David wrote many of the Psalms. Most of the Psalms were written by David, and a lot of them about loneliness. Loneliness. The Bible has a lot to say. The Psalms have a lot to say about loneliness. And some of the most beautiful Psalms that you can read are written in times of loneliness. Where can I go from your presence, Lord? If I go to the highest mountain, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. Where can I go from God? You know, there's so many passages in Psalms that are talking about loneliness and God is right there. No matter how lonely you feel, God is right there. Loneliness is a great time to develop your spiritual walk. It's a great time to get in the habit of really praying, getting to know God on a deeper la- level. And I'm telling you, usually life doesn't allow it. I was sharing earlier about how hard it is to have a quiet time with that three-year-old and with the baby. But it's hard, it's hard to spend time with God because I have a 14-year-old, and he's, still, he's going into high school sports. You know, I've got a 19-year-old. Uh, He's now got a full-time job. It actually makes it easier as far as time goes, but you still want to have time with your 19-year-old. I've got a wife. You have to spend time. It's hard to spend time with the Lord. Do you know, um, my wife is wanting to go to Brazil. She hasn't seen her family for a long time, and her family hasn't met little Arthur. So she wants to, you know, go to Brazil so that she can see her family and everything. And that it's always a lonely time because even though I talked about I can't read my Bible because I have the 18-year-old jumping on me, but when I go home and the house is totally empty, it feels super, super lonely. What a time to take advantage of the things I can't do, like reading books that I want to read that it just seems so difficult to do in regular life because there's so much going on. Because when I go, to ho- go home and I've been at work all day. My wife doesn't want me to sit down and read a book. She wants me to spend time with her. And I'd rather spend time with her. But wow, that's my time to read those books that I wanted to read. It's my time to take advantage of things. So recognize God's presence with you. Recognize that when you have a lonely time, how, how much better of a time do you have to read your Bible, spend time with God, and really recognize He's there Amy Grant wrote, I love a lonely day because it forces me to focus on God. It, focuses you, it hel- helps you to do that. Number four, emphasize others' needs. Focus on other people when you're feeling lonely. I'm feeling lonely. Get my eyes off myself and get my eyes onto somebody else. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 17b. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's focusing in prison, on the Gentiles here in the message. And how is he doing it? By writing it down, by writing these letters. See, his whole heart was always about others. The reason why he liked to go from town to town to start churches is because of others. He cared about others. He wanted them to know God. He wanted them to know the message. What he found out is while he was in prison, that did not have to stop. He could continue to write these letters to people and do things. He could continue to share the message through writing letters. It didn't have to stop. Sometimes we think the things we have to, that we love doing have to stop because of certain life changes. Sometimes they just need to be adjusted. Instead of him personally going and visiting, he'd send a letter. So things don't always have to stop. It just has to be done in a different way. What you want to do is, you, in your notes, it says, stop building walls, start building bridges. And no, this is not a dig at the president, okay? But stop building walls, start building bridges. Because what happens is, we have a tendency to put a wall up around us because we feel hurt because of the isolation and stuff. And no, no, that's all the more reason that you want to build bridges. And how do you build bridges? Bridges By Focusing on other people. Getting your eyes on them. What do they need? How can I show love to somebody else? Because you're surrounded by people that need love. You're surrounded by other people that are lonely. And it's a chance for you to connect with lonely people. Quentin Boom, she's the lady that wrote The Hiding Place. She was engaged to this man. And he broke up the engagement with her. And that devastated her. And then he started dating her best friend. And that hurt her more, and then they got married. And she was sulking. She was so hurt by it. And her dad talked to her and said, You have two choices. You can hold that all in, all the hurt you feel, and you can be miserable for the rest of your life. Or you take that love that you wanted to share and rechannel it to somebody else. It's your choice. You can refocus that love, you can rechannel that love in a d- different d- direction. Because people need love. People need love. It's your choice. Hold it all inside and be miserable or take that love that you want to share and re-channel channel it somewhere else. And when I think about that, I think about people that are dying to have children, but they can't. There's a lot of children in the world that are dying to have parents. And you can rechannel that love that you want to have a child through things like adoption. And, you know... In other words, there's other ways to do it sometimes. There's other ways to have those children. Many Christians suffer with loneliness because they're sitting instead of serving. They're lonely, so they're isolated sitting. Instead of getting up and serving, get involved. Because what happens when you're serving? You're serving alongside other people. It creates relationships. It creates friendships. It helps to take away loneliness. And there's a lot of people that need that service. We're we're worried about our loneliness Why don't we try to see other people that are lonely and meet those needs? Like an elderly person uh, in a rest home, visit them. When I was in college, me and a group of college students, every Wednesday we'd go over to uh, the home there and visit the people. And we became really good friends with people. A lot of them were really lonely. And nobody else was doing it. We were kind of surprised that our idea was that it was only us. Was doing it, so we went and we would visit them every Wednesday, and we developed great friendships with people. And the wisdom that these people had—you know, when you're in college, you think you're an adult and you're not, and you think you're learning, but you don't know anything yet. And the wisdom that these people had, because of the years of experience of life, uh, they were—they were, it was amazing relationships to have. There's teenagers that feel like nobody understands them. There are teenagers that are very suicidal. They need friends. Maybe you could reach out to a teenager. There's single adults that go home to an empty house every day. There are women whose husbands have decided to move out. There's men whose wives have decided to move out. You know, there's employees they're so lonely that they go to the bar every night because they just they're they're just dying of loneliness. They want to meet somebody. They need friends. There's widows, you know. You spend the, you know, like when you get married, you know, your impression is I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. But it never works out that way. Somebody dies first and then you get lonely. You get lonely. There's people out there that need friends. When I feel lonely, if I just look inwardly, I'm just going to be miserable. But there's a chance for me to take that love that I want to have, share with somebody, and go outward and find people that I can connect with. Make it like a ministry of being a friend. The ministry of friendship. Share Jesus with them. Invite them to your home to eat. Listen to them. Invite them to church. Meet people. Develop friendships. Maybe you're feeling lonely today. What does God have to say to you? Do you know he understood every human emotion? We look at Jesus. He was going into Gethsemane before he was going to be crucified to pray. And he brought his closest friends, his three closest friends with him. That tells me that even Jesus needed companionship. Even Jesus did. If someone says, Well, I'm a Lone Ranger type of guy, well, I believe if Jesus need friend, needed friends, you need friends. I believe if Jesus needed friends, God coming to earth as a man needs friends. I guess I need friends. So even he needed, needed it. So God understands your desire for companionship, for friendship. Can you be beautiful and lonely, wealthy and lonely, famous and lonely, popular and lonely, successful and lonely? Sure. Some of the lonely, you know the saying, it's lonely at the top? Some of the loneliest people in the world are the people that in the eyes of the world are the most successful. We sometimes think that we're lonely and no, we're not, not compared to them. So it's loneliness can come to anybody It's a natural thing that we have to struggle through. Many people marry because they're lonely and they divorce that same person for the very same reason because they're still lonely. They never had intimacy, closeness, fellowship. Loneliness is a real issue that we struggle with. How do you deal with loneliness? People try all kinds of things. People try to be a workaholic because what happens is if I work and I work and I work and I work and I just come home, eat something, go straight to bed, and I'm exhausted. I never have to think about it. It's a way of numbing the pain that I feel. We talked about how people use drugs and alcohol. People use materialism. They're lonely, but to make them feel better, they're by a nice car, a nicer house, a nicer boat, a nicer clothes, because they're trying to do something that makes them feel good about themselves. Because inside, they feel so bad because they feel so lonely. They're empty inside. So people will try to purchase their happiness, and it doesn't work. I could put you on a desert island, and I could say, ask for whatever you want, but the one thing you can't have is any communication with humans. You can have, you know, whatever you want. You can have the nicest, uh, you know, TV. You You can watch stuff, but you can't have any communication. You can have the nicest house, the nicest boat, but... You're never going to communicate with people again. How long do you think you'll be before you start realizing this is a bummer deal? There's a reason why solitary confinement is a form of discipline, a form of punishment, because loneliness hurts. Nobody wants to be alone. We were made to be in relationship with people. We were made to have friends. We were made for that. God didn't make us to just... Live life without anybody caring for us and us not caring about anybody else. People have affairs because of loneliness. Get drunk. Just do all kinds of things. Self, you know, pity parties. What is it that causes loneliness in your life? Maybe you're going through a transition. Maybe you got a new job or a new location. And in this transition, you feel really lonely. Maybe it's a separation. I want you to remember that even though people leave you, Jesus never leaves you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Maybe you feel this loneliness because of opposition against you. Maybe at work people have turned against you. Maybe it's a rejection. You feel rejected by somebody. Somebody that you love has rejected you and you feel so lonely. A lot of our loneliness is due to a spiritual vacuum that we have. All of us are created with an emptiness inside our hearts that only God can fill. And if you try to find that happiness any other way, you're still going to be empty. You know, it's like trying to put a a square peg into a round hole and it doesn't fit. You can't fit anything else in there but Christ. Everybody here is made of body, soul, and spirit. You you know what your body is. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And within your soul is a spirit. And that spirit can only find contentment in a relationship with God. And you can search anything else to try to find that happiness, and it won't work. It, le- it leads to a dead end. The only way that you can really find that contentment that you're searching for is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where God now dwells in you. It says His Holy Spirit will come and live in you. And until you have God living in you, you're going to be empty. You're going to be lonelier. You can be surrounded by people and still be lonely. You can, have, you can be married and be in a good marriage and still be lonely on the inside, Because only God can meet that need. God wants to be in your life. He wants to meet you. He wants to spend the rest of his life with you in communion. He loves you. He cares. You might feel like nobody loves me, nobody cares. He loves you and he cares. He wants to be there for your life. As we think about loneliness, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to make this your prayer. Uh, Loneliness is an opportunity it's not a negative. We might take it in, in a negative way. It's an opportunity for things to happen in your life, opportunity to get close to God, opportunity to do other things that you won't have later on. And loneliness in, generally in our life, it's a temporary thing. It's not going to be permanent. It's a temporary thing, so take advantage of it. Don't see it as a negative. See it as, oh, I can do things here that I couldn't have done otherwise. Let's pray. Jesus, we're asking that you'll help us to recognize your presence. Father, help us to realize that you're here with us, that you never leave us alone. Help us to tune into you so that we can have fellowship with you. We want the deepest relationship with you that we can have. If you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, do it now. Repeat this along with me silently. Lord, I invite you into my life. From now on, I'm living for you. I'm giving you my life. I'm trusting in you to help to fill me with your love and your joy and your peace. Lord, help me to utilize my time to make the most of my life so I can be a better person, not a bitter person. Help me to minimize the hurt that I've gone through. Lord, help me to emphasize others and focus on other people to rechannel whatever l- love that has been blocked in my life Help me to rechannel that to other people that need love. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Paul's life, that even someone as amazing as Paul experienced loneliness. And that part of the reason you allowed him to experience loneliness is to help us. I thank you that you help us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.